and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax, crink- crinkling rapper, rappers over here. <laughs> You've really screwed up the flow here. And thank you for listening, right? I have no idea. You think <laughs> I listen to what That's not right. Um, anyway. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah. David, how you doing aside from bothersome? Um, no, I'm having a, I had a very Merry Christmas. That's good. Thank God we can say Merry Christmas again. <laughs> <laughs> felt like i was holding my breath i know for eight long years <laughs> i mean but don't get uh, me wrong like i would whisper it to people yeah. oh you man know? so it was very covert yeah i hope the uh, i hope our former muslim in chief didn't hear you <laughs> oh boy <laughs> jeez <laughs> i'm gonna try and stay off politics just because well yeah you i know you've been like uh avoiding just, which is good just, but yeah just so you know Donald Trump has been at Mar-a-Lago all week saying, doesn't it feel nice to be able to say Merry Christmas again? (laughs) Which no one ever stopped. Even in super liberal Los Angeles and the super liberal circles in which I traffic, no one stopped saying Merry Christmas. Yeah. I've heard happy holidays. I've said happy holidays. Don't get me wrong. If somebody says seasons greetings, don't trust them. (laughs) All right. Nobody, no person says that. No, that, that belongs on like a, like one of those, stickers you put on a gift that says like from like two from exactly yeah. those say seasons greetings exactly. you, don't, you don't say seasons greetings to people seasons greetings where does that even come from <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay enough of that so all right yeah what did we say we we're gonna do all right you had something to, you had, you had something to get off your chest so you had a beef i am really not on twitter much these days i'm not on facebook much these days um so you know, I don't really, I'm not big on film Twitter anyway, but mm-hmm. it is to me, I am occasionally on YouTube. I'll be, I'll be watching a video. And then of course there's all these suggestions on the side. So I was watching uh, red letter media's last Jedi review and they did not care for it that much. They didn't dislike it. Um, and then on the side, there's all these videos about like everything, like everything wrong, not cinema sins. That's yeah. awful no matter what. But like, like, oh, everything that uh, Last Jedi got wrong and, you know, the reason it didn't work and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I, don't know, I thought it did work. I'm going to click on some of these. Wow. The videos and the comments, like people just saying like Disney ruined Star Wars. I'm never seeing another Star Wars movie again, which is very cute. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> person is until they're dead. But, um. I think there's a certain subset of Star Wars fans who will never would won't be happy with any Star Wars movie unless it is unless they somehow find a Star Wars movie that was made in 1986. It has to be that, right? That's the only thing like that will And so here's the thing and so like Star Wars I don't like to use the word fanboy. It's dismissive, but I will trust you know what I mean like hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. People that for whom like this is their thing not necessarily movies star wars either some of them are like over the moon about it love it to a degree that i and i love the movie love it to a degree that i do not um then there are people that just absolutely hate it and say it's not true to the spirit of star wars yeah. and all that kind of thing. i mean they detest this thing and it just fascinates me um i saw the film with josh long who is probably the biggest star wars fan i know um, you know, he played like Star Wars cards growing up. Like he can wow. tell you the name of like every droid and every ship and all that. Um, 
and he and I had a similar, I think he liked it a little bit less than I did, but there were still things that we both really, really responded to. And I thought like, well, he's a fan. So why, you know, why is he not having one of these extreme reactions? And my, the conclusion I came to is very insulting, not of Josh, but of these, uh, of other people. Josh is a fan of film first, mm-hmm. just as you and I are. Mm-hmm. I think other people are fans of Star Wars, and if a film does not fit with their idea of Star Wars or the Star Wars mythos or whatever it is, then it doesn't matter what the filmmaking is. It it is subpar. Like the 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 myth of Star Wars, the legacy of Star Wars is bigger than any filmmaking choice. Like you know, to me, there's a, Ryan Johnson's doing so so much amazing visual stuff and such amazing character stuff. Um, and I just like you and I were saying last week, it was just like invigorating to like see this. I wasn't yeah. expecting this kind of thing from a Star Wars movie. And to anybody else, it's just like. Well, that doesn't really fit with this idea of the force. That doesn't really fit at all. And it's just like, yeah, maybe it doesn't, except now it does. Cause now yeah. this is part of it. Sorry. That's the way it works. And this is now Canon and it does. And, and then, you know, apparently Mark Hamill had, had said that there are some things that happened with his character that he didn't really like. And so people are just latching onto that. Like even Mark Hamill said, it's like, well, it's a, fa- it's a shame. He's not the writer. Yeah. And also he's come out and, clarified yeah. that those those were his initial misgivings yeah and then, uh, which but he then came to embrace it yeah it just they they la- they just said like oh this person who's deeply involved it's like yeah actors can bring tremendous let's say Hamill like stuck by his statement um actors can bring tremendous things and by the way his disagreement did not keep him from delivering a really great performance yeah and just like you know but that's the thing is now we're getting into a tourist theory, which I don't think star Wars people are interested in having. I don't mean to imply that I am that, that you and I are better than star Wars fans, you know, just like, right. I like, but it just, it, I feel like that helped me to understand the extreme reactions one way or another. It wasn't about if the movie is good. It's about how does it fit into this larger thing that isn't just movies. It's also books, video games, whatever. Um, and so that actually helped me understand the, the reactions a little bit more. Do you think I am off base? No, I think that's exactly what it is. But I, um, I think those people were by, they're essentially built their fandom castle in the sky <laughs> because yeah. that was always going to like, you're setting yourself up for disappointment there. Yeah. Um, to, you know, the whole idea of this is of film as an art form is the different artists, you yeah. know, especially as a, in terms of a franchise artists going to come along and make films. Yeah. And so if you're not a fan of, if you're putting all your eggs in the basket of the thing, as you have defined it, yeah. Uh, then I guess, yeah, you're, you're just setting yourself up to be outraged. It's what it's to me, what has always been so invigorating about the alien series, at least through resurrection is that mm-hmm. it's a new person. Every time they work within the confines, but they also change them and they broaden and sometimes specify like it's something that's really exciting with each new film. They do this thing. And I remember I mentioned, uh, I think last week or the week before that I was watching, 
the aliens commentary and and james cameron said that like it bothered him that they just killed hicks and newt at the beginning of alien 3 and he paused for a moment and he said but you know what i'm sure ridley was angry at a lot of the stuff i did too mm-hmm. and so just like so what he's ultimately saying is like each filmmaker has to do what fa- what feels right for them yeah you know that's why i wish fox would not that i didn't see alien covenant and no film twitter is very torn on it is um, it really yeah some people r- r- think it's one of the best movies of the year and some people really hate it um did they sh- did they were they going to the bathroom during that shower scene i don't know i didn't see the movie Ugh. um but uh, we'll get into that. Put a pin in X. We'll come back to that in a second. But I do wish Fox would sort of get rid of this, go away from the Ridley Scott prequel like saga mm-hmm. that it's telling, and get back to making making Alien Five, Neil Blomkamp's Alien Five that takes place after Alien Resurrection, because that would be more in keeping with the tradition. Even though you're not a big Neil Blomkamp fan, can you imagine anything <laughs> worse than him talking about Waylon Utani? Good God. <laughs> Yeah, that would be the most inseparable thing I've ever heard. But he is—he is a pretty astounding visualist, and he really yeah. has a way with visual effects. And but also, uh, William, William Yutani doesn't exist anymore on that timeline. Remember? It depends. Remember? <laughs> it depends on which cut your watch. Of the resurrection. resurrection. Yeah. Um, but no, back to the film Twitter thing. Film Twitter is not a monolith. Like, right? It's cra- like I was just thinking about this last night because. Um, I replied to something that our friend Dave Chen was saying about Taylor Sheridan uh, on Twitter. And I said something about like um, how I don't like his movies, you know, like Hell or High Water, but not the other ones that he's written uh, or directed. Um, and like in the corners of film Twitter, where I normally exist, that is the opposite of a controversial opinion. That is yeah. like the least controversial thing you could say. And I forgot, like suddenly I had a couple of people jump in my throat. One person said that was an absurdly stupid opinion. Um, and I forgot like, Oh, the, I mean, I've met that, that person's, I mean, I, I like to think that person's wrong about me being stupid, but that person's not wrong for liking Taylor, Taylor Sheridan. It's fun right. that there are different film film Twitters. You didn't even say, or maybe you did, I don't know, but you didn't even say, I think he's a bad filmmaker or a bad writer. You said, I don't like him. And it's like, that's a stupid opinion. No, I said, that's uh, uh, a preference. I said, of the, I think the only, the thing I said was of the three movies you've written, only one of them's any good. I think that's what I said. Okay. So it was a bit harsh. I would say, uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's absurdly stupid. I would say it's a bit hyperbolic, but at the same time, it's film Twitter. What do you want? Yeah. yeah you but know? it's just, yeah, it is fun to, uh, fun to realize because then also I tweeted something today about uh, personal shopper and someone was um, saying that personal shopper was awful and that, again that's you know I tend to follow people who love personal shopper like I do yeah so it's fun to uh, go into the different uh, corners of film Twitter every once in a while. Um, I got to talk with this other person. Yeah, absurdly stupid. What is the other person? Oh, someone just gave me like a quizzical emoji face uh, <laughs> anyway uh okay so we've talked about the star wars thing we talked about film twitter what do you say you pay some bills absolutely this episode is brought to you by movie a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent international and classic films everyday movies curators introduce a new title and you have 30 days to watch it that means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy all for only 5.99 a month plus when you use their mobile apps you can download films to watch offline before i talk about some of the films that are available i will say that movie is for film people. Star Wars people need not apply. <laughs> uh, 
but admittedly, if you did want to try a movie, I'm sure they'd be fine with it. Um, so currently available on movie is Busby Berkeley's The Gang's All Here, a giddy Technicolor song and dance extravaganza featuring Carmen Miranda, uh, which I sometimes forget is a real person. <laughs> Just like you have this image, the image of like this woman uh, with like the fruit basket yeah. and it's like, Oh, Carmen Miranda, right? That's like, uh, you know, Miss Butterworth or something. Right? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, also Alan Sakula and Noel Birch's the forgotten space, a fascinating documentary that is on the surface about oceanic transport and displacement, but goes much deeper into the heart of capitalism itself. Uh, so those are just two of the films that are available on movie right now. And there's a special offer for you, the listener of battleship pretension. You can try movie free for one month. Just go to movie com. that's M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship, that's very important, to redeem now. Or you can go to BattleshipPretension.com and click on the movie ad on the left-hand side. And I want to tell you about TweakedAudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Um, Tyler and I use them each and every day. I'm trying to think. Uh, today I was listening to, uh, well, there's a, there's a music producer, mostly hip-hop producer, who's name or at least uh nom de plume is mike will made it and uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> so his name is mike will okay and he made the beat but he's credited as mike will made it okay anyway so mike will made it put out uh as he does at the end of every year a compilation of the sort of instrumental beats that he made yeah. for some of the biggest songs of the year i was listening to that on my uh, tweakedaudio.com your buds today they're available at a low low price over at tweakedaudio.com um uh but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so you want to do that look christmas christmas 2018 is right around the corner absolutely um uh so go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Tyler, speaking of Christmas, yes, uh, our our friend and Battleship Pretension contributor Sarah, uh, who just got done going through the Battleship Pretension listener voted top hundred movies. Yes, she did it over the last year, and she is done. So go back. Yeah, you and can check read all out her, those her articles. Yeah, um, and she, you know, I we like to when listeners send us stuff we like to open on air i always feel a little bit weird about opening something from a contributor yeah but it's hey it came to the p.o box it's she likes to send us stuff at christmas time i'm sorry sarah that we didn't get to this um before before christmas yeah but um i didn't make it to the p.o box you in time. scissors there you go um well let's find out as someone who bites my nails oh yeah it might be difficult to open this thing um i feel like i'm making headway here though okay uh yeah all Watch right. out. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. uh, there's a card, which Tyler's going to open. All right. Uh, and I'm going to take the more fun job of opening the wrapping on this present. The wrapping has little stockings. Very cute. Very wintry. They're not specifically Christmassy. It's a happy holidays type of wrapping paper here. 
All right, so here's a card, and uh, something Sarah likes to do is is like, I don't know what you call it, like sew, like she likes to sew like, uh, like patterns on stitch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She and made us so, that uh, Battleship Retention logo hand stitch that's framed in our studio here. I appreciate that you pointed for me. I know, I know. <laughs> I put it there. Even though, yeah, even though since since we moved to into your new place, it's not actually it's. It's an obscured view for me, and you actually can't see it at all. That's think. true, yeah. yeah. I just have to assume it is there. Uh, yes, very nice uh, very nice comments here on the card. Thank you so much, Sarah. So um, she said, It's noted, she says, Merry Christmas. I'm sure she finally felt liberated to do so. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, um, oh, this is very sweet. Um, so she made us Christmas ornaments. She made us Christmas ornaments? Yeah. What? You got a rosebud sled. I got a rosebud sled. And I got, this is very sweet, a, a dog's head in, in memory of the late great Jack. That's nice. Uh, my awesome dog who passed away this uh, this past October. Oh, my Thank gosh. you so much, Sarah. This is terrific. Sarah, you're better than all the others. Anyway, <laughs> um, what do I mean by that? Hey, who knows? Maybe yeah, I mean, every other person. Um <laughs> But yeah, so listeners, if you want to hear us uh, gush over your awesome presence, well, first off, Sarah has set a pretty high bar, but that's all right. You can beat yeah. it, undoubtedly. Um, you know, just buy some Criterion movies. It'll be fine, I'm sure. Actually, Twilight Time is one I'm more into these yeah. days. Yeah. They got I'm a try- good, good collection right now. I'm trying not to buy too many Blu-rays. I'm not I'm out of room. I, uh, yeah, I... Uh, I got like four for Christmas, which I was fine with. And I don't, and I rarely buy them myself. I got none for Christmas because I specifically, my wife knows that I don't want any more. Uh, we don't have enough room and I watch so much stuff on streaming anyway. Um, my wife got a Blu-ray for Christmas. What'd she get? She got Rosemary's baby. Hey, all right. Because all October, when we were trying to pick scary movies to watch, every time it would come up, she'd say, why don't we have Rosemary's Baby? There you go. And so... Uh, Did you purchase it ne- for Yes. So nice. next Halloween, we will have Rosemary's Baby ready All to right. watch. Uh, I want to... Normally at this point of the show, I draw your attention to what's going on on the website. Given that we're in between... The, you know, the week between Christmas and New Year's, things are a bit quiet, but I reviewed uh, Paul McGuigan's film stars Don't Die in Liverpool. Um... Speaking of Criterion, uh, Alex, uh, in his Criterion prediction column, wrote about Ernst Lubitsch's The Shop Around the Corner, which mm. is a wonderful movie. Uh, and it's weird how often Alex has been right. Like, I, uh, like well, with I, his predictions. We talked about this. Did like, we? I, I, I mean, I think he's, he's picking stuff that he thinks has a good... I don't think he's trying to be cunning. No, not at all. I think not he's trying to say, like, here's stuff that is likely to make it, and let's preemptively yeah. discuss what's good about this movie and why it's important, why it belongs in the collection, yeah, which is I don't literally think... one of his categories, why it belongs in the collection. Yeah. He's not necessarily making like outlandish guesses yeah. or anything. It, it more has to do with like, there is a, there's a very specific type of mentality to various, uh, distribution, mm-hmm. uh, companies like shout factory or scream factory, like twilight time, like Kino, and like criterion. And if you kind of lock into the way they function, you can probably predict pretty well. Um, the type of thing that if you give it enough time, they will arrive there. It also has to do with like, if you know something has gotten like a, uh, a, a recent restoration and is like, yeah. as a theatrical, you yeah. can kind of narrow it down to like, someone's going to put this out like yeah. criterion or Cinelicious or something like that. 
Uh, anyway, and then the other thing that's going on the website, uh, we're saying goodbye to sequel cast two. Yeah. Uh, Matt is moving on to other, um, uh, career opportunities and we're Greener very pastors. Yeah. Man. Very happy for all of Matt's contributions over the years. So, uh, you'll have to deal with the forever cliffhanger of the sequel cast podcast, uh, stopping in the middle of the nightmare on Elm street series. Oh, but the last one he did was uh, nightmare on Elm street five, the dream child. It's kind of, it's kind of where it drops off to be honest. Okay. I, I've new, only ever seen the first good. one. Oh yeah. Um, but reading his description, listen to the podcast. Yeah. But reading his description, it sounds like dream child was an attempt to get away from the sort of goofiness for a movie yeah. and go back to making a horror movie. But yeah. Then but it went also, goofy again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also have a certain type of, uh, a certain rock and roll like MTV quality to it. Oh, okay. Um, or maybe that was four. I don't recall. But anyway, like and when I was watching that that long documentary about the history of right. the, Friday, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street series, like around five is when it starts to to drop off significantly. Okay. Um, now, uh, this is our first episode of 2018. Oh yes, which means it you know it's 2017 while we're recording it. But anyway, we don't need to talk about that. Um, we've put 2017 in the rear view, mm-hmm. and I'm sure many of us would like to forget large portions of it. Absolutely, we'd have more luck doing so if we were like the characters in these movies we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about movies about amnesia. Yeah. Although I don't know when you made your did your research how literally you were because a lot of mine are memory loss movies that aren't necessarily amnesia. I. I mostly stuck with amnesia. Like the way I look at it, memory loss. I tried to avoid stuff where it was gradual memory loss, like for example, an Alzheimer's situation. Sure, sure. Because no, I yeah. didn't feel like being sad uh, for this episode. Uh, I tried to focus on like when large chunks are just gone rather suddenly. Yeah. Or somebody wakes up and they just don't remember who they are, or something like that. I tried to focus on that. Okay. Did you include because? I have a lot of, you know, textbook amnesia, but then I've also got things that are like short term memory, like your mementos. Sure. Sure. On there. Yeah, and then I've also got like drug induced memory loss, like the hangover I put uh, on there. I, I left that out. And um, then I also put on, I don't want to get into spoilers, possible faked memory loss with, uh, Mr. Arcaden. Yeah, I do have Mr. Arcaden on here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, possibly faked. It's hard to know. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but that's my... I saw it recently, actually. Okay. um, uh, Rewatched. But, uh, yeah, so, as you said, in a phrase that I kind of hate but kind of love, we're putting it in our rear view. Um, (laughs) But, uh, (coughs) yeah, I'm trying to think... I don't remember if we've done an episode about memory before and the way it is depicted in film. There's something very exciting about film as a medium, more so than really anything else, um, that can tap into the way we think. You know, it could be something kind of oddly swirling and jumping from one situation to another, like, you know, Night of the Hunter, which I think really replicates the the way a dream works. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also there's stuff like memory, to me, one of the most fascinating depictions of this is the limey where it just keeps cutting back and forth. I mean, it's, it's pretty, uh, chronological, but it keeps cutting back to like him in a plane 
And you're like, what? Okay, I don't know what that is, but that's all right. It's cutting around a lot. I'm sure it'll make sense in the end. And then there's one beautiful sequence where he's talking with Leslie Ann Warren, and it's one conversation, a very linear conversation, but it's being split up in three different locations. And then when it is revealed that he's on, at the end of the film, he's on the plane and he's going home, and he's kind of thinking over his rather euphemistically called his Los Angeles adventure. Um, <laughs> and he's, and it's like, okay, that sequence makes a lot more sense now because what he remembers is the essence of the conversation and the three places they were in. He doesn't remember what was said where, and it was undoubtedly like a three or four hour conversation condensed in his memory to the important things, the basics. And I remember thinking like, that is amazing. Um, between stuff like that and like last year, Marion bought and just, mm-hmm. you know, speaking of just of this very intangible quality, like there's something really exciting about the way film can replicate the way we remember or the way we think. And I think that's why, uh, amnesia movies, not that it's necessarily trying to capture that except for something like memento. And it's arguable how much it captures that and puts us in his, uh, in his shoes. But at least, Nolan tries to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I find these films to be, there's a lot of potential there narratively and a lot of potential visually and from Mm -hmm. end editorially. Um, before we move on, uh, from the limey, I forgot to mention a great celebrity sighting recently. Um, someone from the limey is a Nikki cat. Uh, no, it's Nikki cat. It's too bad. (laughs) Keep going. Uh, one, just one take won't take long. Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman oh, was at the uh, same place where uh, I do bar trivia every Sunday. Nice. Where I've also seen Will Wheaton more than once. But uh, I could see that. Yeah, Luis Guzman was there. He left early. His team stayed, but he left. He was. I think he was just there to eat. Yeah, yeah. And his <laughs> people were playing, and he was like, "All right, I'm not staying for another <laughs> hour and a half to do." He just left. But it reminded me of. Uh, my favorite line in the limey and one of my favorite lines in the history of cinema, okay. which is you could see the sea from here if you could see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So on to memory or on to amnesia specifically. I found that so, so many movies that are about memory loss aren't that serious about it. Unless you're talking about Alzheimer's, like there's like a way from her sure, or sure. whatever. But if you're talking about amnesia, it's mostly used as a genre concept. Absolutely. Um, now some movies have done, uh, done it well and have had, you know, had their cake and eat it too. Like the lookout. Sure. Is a movie that is a crime thriller that is also about someone who suffers from spotty memory, um, because of an accident. And I think it takes his condition seriously while also, but then you've also got stuff like, did you ever see, the uh, Ben Affleck vehicle paycheck? I did not. Okay. So what happens in this movie is he's like a guy who does like uh, illegal sort of like business espionage. Okay. But then the, the high concept thing is that he intentionally submits himself to like they give him amnesia. So he forgets what he's done for plausible deniability. Okay. He just like gets a paycheck at the end. But one time his paycheck comes with a bunch of clues. 
Hmm. Because his previous self wanted him to figure out what went, what he did. So he takes all the clues you see in the hotel room. So he gave himself all the clues. He gave himself all the clues. <laughs> and then he, when he's in his hotel room, he takes them out of the package and he lays the clues out on the hotel bed in, in the shape of a question mark. <laughs> I was so with you until that moment. <laughs> That, I, that really happens. That is it's astonishingly such, stupid. It is a very what, stupid What did movie. the person say you were uh, in regards to Absurdly your, stupid? Abs- that, is absur- that is genuinely absurdly stupid. You should respond to that person and say, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen this scene in Paycheck? Because actually, I kind of like the... I'm a big fan of like when someone... And this will play into a, a few of these movies. When someone leaves something for themselves... Mm-hmm. Which uh, plays into, you know, amnesia film. Also, a lot of time travel, like Bill and Ted. Bill and you know? Ted, sure. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I don't know why. I think it's just, it's just one of those. It just like pushes a button. And like, if I, it, it ultimately is like, well, if I know me, and it's really the only thing I know for sure, uh-huh. I will find this and I will respond this way. Um, right. And just approaching yourself as though you're somebody else, but you're not is something that uh, I, I love, which kind of happens in total recall. Yep. He leaves a message. Total recall is on my list. Yeah. The, the, um, Paul Verhoeven one. I never yeah. saw the, the PG 13 Colin Farrell <laughs> by all accounts. Everything that makes the Paul Verhoeven one fun and interesting is absent. Um, including uh, one of the things that I love about total recall is that like, once the movie's over, it's like, I still don't totally know right. um, what, the, what the situation is. But I think one of the reasons that amnesia works so well in genres, because amnesia, when you think about it, you know, I've known people that have had cancer. I've known people that have had strokes. I know people who've had various mental illnesses. I've never known anybody who's had amnesia. I've known people who's, who've had Alzheimer's, and of course, that's a very sad thing. But this sudden like, Oh, they got hit in the head and now they yeah. don't remember it. Like it's, it's such a soap opera thing. Yeah. Or it's so season you, one of 24. Oh yeah. Do you remember oh. there's a, <laughs> they had to, like, we got 24 hours yeah, to fill. Gotta, yeah. His wife's going to get amnesia for a few hours. Yeah. We don't want to deal with her for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it so feels like a device a story device because it's such yeah. an extreme thing that if you were to put it in a straightforward drama, it would, I feel like it would just stick out like a sore thumb. So you have to put it in, you can only really use it in genre, which is already a little bit heightened, whether it be like sci-fi or, uh, or mystery. And it can also work in comedy, but that's just because not the comedy is a genre, but it's heightened already. Yeah. So I think it's okay. Uh, well, there's a couple of movies that are action movies that use, um, amnesia. Uh, in the movie journal, you talked about Shane Black. Mm-hmm. The Long Kiss Goodnight yeah. is a is an amnesia movie and a terrific one, yeah. uh, a fun one. Whereas The Born Identity, which is also a great, you know, all, all three Born movies, I guess, are an amnesia trilogy. Yeah, um, they're less fun, although they are good movies. Yeah, but they're not like I mean, Long Kiss Goodnight is very over the top. You yes. know, um, The Born Identity kind of accident actually sort of engages with this idea of. 
because you were talking about the idea of someone leaving clues from themselves because you were saying, if I know myself. Yeah. But the idea of the born identity is that it's almost less amnesia than it is like a reset. Yeah. Like he was brainwashed. He rebooted himself. Yeah. So now he's gone back to the person, the good human person that he was before he was brainwashed into being a killer. Yeah. And it's sort of having back morally. Just a good old Nixa boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so now he's like having to come to terms with what he's done and not feeling like that's him, you know, but also it is a part of him now because the training is still with him. That's what I really like about that first film, especially is that it suggests that your conscious mind is different than your instincts. Mm -hmm. So like there are these, I love that moment when he's in the bar and he's like, I know that that guy in yeah. the corner can handle himself. I know ever all the exits. I don't know why I know this, yeah. and I don't know why I even think like this. Says, I just know that I know it. I know which car in the parking lot is most likely to have a gun in the glove compartment. Yeah, uh, it's a diner, not a bar. Yeah, the part I remember that I like, and I know Matt Damon is like has stuck his foot in his mouth so much that I almost feel guilty praising him, but he is a good actor. He's, an, he's a great actor. Uh, yeah. The part in the first one, when he's like trying to sleep on the bench and the two cops try to wake him up and he takes the nightstick and knocks out both the cops. What he does, what Matt Damon does as an actor, just sort of physically like realizing what he just did. Yeah. Or even before that, when he speaks German to them, yeah, he suddenly like realizes he speaks German. Yeah, like it's he plays it really well in his face. Yeah, um, it's a terrific performance. Um, I hope Matt Damon can someday not be a uh, quote unquote problematic fave again because I do like him a lot here's, as an actor. Here's what I'll say: like if he's sticking his foot in his mouth. It's different than like a Harvey Weinstein situation. It's different than somebody. It's just like, ah, just, just think a bit more before you talk. Like that's not the end of the world, but like it's, but it's I think the, the problem that, is that, and people are rightfully kind of extrapolating it to like, this is what privilege does whenever it's formed sure. because he's not only just because he's a straight white man or whatever, cis head white man. He's also wealthy and sort of removed from reality. And like, so yeah, on a, on a case by case basis, it's like, come on, Matt Damon, get it together. But also, but in a like sort of epidemic way, it's like, this is kind of why these things get brushed under or ignored or glossed over for so long, because so many of the people who are in a position to do things about them mm. are so clueless about them. It's uh, it's interesting to be where I am and to have heard a lot of uh, conservative criticism of Hollywood and of actors and directors, more actors because directors aren't that visible. But, um, you know, George Clooney and Matt Damon are regularly targets. And it's interesting what you said, because there are some, there were, there were commentators who would talk about Matt Damon, like he would talk about, he would talk about gun control and they'd say like, yeah, I'm sure it's, I'm, I'm sure you feel like guns aren't necessary when you live behind a wall and you have armed guards and all that sort of thing. Like none of this is going to touch you at all anyway but the rest of us have to live out here. So like, I thought that was interesting whether I think they have a point or not. I think they kind of do. But, um, but one thing that was interesting and it's just like the idea, and I'm glad that you, I'm glad you stopped yourself because you said like, like I'm reluctant to praise him because of this, but he's a good actor. Mm -hmm. There is this guy who I listened to for about 20 minutes and I was like, I can't listen to this man anymore. And he was talking about something Matt Damon had said and 
and it was something political and it's like uh, he just you know I just we just don't agree with it whatever that's fine but then he's like it was ah this hack this has been it's like that's where you've lost me mm-hmm. because you know what it doesn't matter what a person thinks they could be the absolute best at what they do and Matt Damon is up there and it, and for and to me like you lose credibility when you you know you acknowledge that he's good you're not going to call him a hack because he said these <laughs> dumb things right um but to me like that's we can all I, we don't want to compartmentalize too much, but like we can all say like Chinatown's astonishing. This is a well, terrible thing over here. Um, someone on Twitter pointed out, um, okay, I'll just always say someone on Twitter cause I can't keep track of sure. who said what, um, you're so damn popular on Twitter. I'm sure you can't keep track. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just follow people. <laughs> you could do it too. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, with um, Point out that that's actually like because there were a lot there were a number of people after the Louis C.K. stuff coming out come out the, there there were a number of reactions like uh, people saying like yeah he was never that funny anyway and the and and this person was saying like that's absolutely actually the opposite of helpful because mm-hmm. part of what we need to realize is that even the people we're fans of can be bad people and yeah. can be doing awful things and and have it swept under the rug because because we're fans of them yeah. so there's it doesn't help anyone to say that because you disagree with something someone did or, or, or said, or because they did or said something that's generally accepted as awful. It doesn't mean they're not good at the art. It's not excusing them. Yeah. It's saying it's acknowledging the complexity of the situation. Complexity and nuance. Like anytime you say like, Oh, I don't like this guy. So he's a hack at everything. He's a ha- like, he's a hack political thinker. So he must be a hack actor, a hacker, if you will. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, that's idiotic. And in the same way, it's like, he was never that funny. It's like, he, he was, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And he probably still could be, but this is still atrocious. Like, yeah, it's a, a, a phrase that my, my old uh, pastor liked to use that I actually liked a lot is like living intention where not intention in tension. Yes. And just like, like I can still admire this thing that this person did, but I can still absolutely condemn this other thing. And this one person was capable of both. And I have to acknowledge both at the same time. Like that is a very difficult thing to do because we, really want to live one place or the other because even if it's a negative place at least we know where we are uh but to be in that area which happens when you talk about Roman Polanski or Woody Allen or mm-hmm. any of these other people you know it's where we where we've been living for years and it's very difficult but it's uh but it is kind of required when talking about art absolutely anyway sorry i don't remember how we oh matt damon that's right and born identity born identity yeah so um but yeah long kiss goodnight as well is again there's not as much complexity there but it's a lot of fun um and especially when because the whole she's like a housewife who she knows she has amnesia she doesn't know who she was and when she realizes she's really good with a knife her first thought is i was a chef (laughs) (laughs) yeah we got to do an episode about Shane Black someday. We got to do an episode about Gina Davis. That should do true, a Gina yes. Davis profile. That would I be great. would be fine with that. Yes. Yeah. You've never seen see, the accidental. You need to see the accidental. Tourist, yeah. That's though. a big, she won an Oscar for that. Um, so yeah, I do think that, I mean, there are the obvious ones. I think memento is an obvious one. Born identity is an obvious one. Um, I would say eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is an interesting case. Um, and I think it definitely fits into what I was talking about, which is visualizing more so than probably any movie on my list, like visualizing memory and the erasing of it. 
mm-hmm. like the specific details of like the bookstores it's going away and yeah. the idea of turning like he goes to like turn somebody around and see their face but you but you can't because that memory's not there there's no face to be seen yeah like i love that stuff and and it it's funny but it also turns it into it really captures the the terror that can come with that, like having these things that you know for sure being stripped away from you. In that way, I guess it is not unlike an Alzheimer's film, but like, but he's doing it. He did it to himself because he thought better to have no memory of this than the memory of hurt. And it's just like I think it's such a. It really that film probably should have been nominated for a director. I think like that really is a directorial achievement. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's. In, I hadn't thought about this. I thought about this. You haven't seen Call Me by Your Name yet. Uh, no, I haven't. You haven't. Okay. Um, weird to make the connection between the two movies, but most both, but that movie and at least one part of Call Me by Your Name has the same message, which is that if you try to cut out the stuff that hurts, you also mm-hmm. cut out all of the joy and experience. That yeah comes along with it yeah i hadn't made the connection between the two movies until oh, just now until you said that uh yeah all right um okay let's talk about comedy okay because a lot of these are comedies okay right i'm interested to see if you say like when i'm when thinking about comedy in regards to this the first film that came to mind is one that no one gives a shit about no one remembers but it was a it was very formative to me when i was young huh um i probably didn't see it then okay um what is it called clean slate oh with, with uh, dana carvey dana carvey like right. there is that and another one called opportunity knocks like when they were trying to turn him into kind of a movie star uh, aside from wayne's world yeah um and he was his fun- pre uh, master of disguise yeah <laughs> yes it was um what was what's his character's name in that like some guy pistachio like, like something that. like that yeah it was is it something disguisey that's not right pistachio disguisey that's it yes <laughs> you know what i'm sure that movie is terrible but i kind of like that i wonder if it's terrible or is it like a clifford type of movie where it seems taylor terrible but maybe it's like a secret work of genius when i see that clip about the turtle guy <laughs> it does make me laugh because I'm a big dumb idiot. Um, but uh, Clean Slate, he plays a private detective who has this memory issue where he basically is his memory is wiped at the beginning of every day. Like he's he has this. It's not unlike Memento, where like he's working on this case, and so every day, whatever progress he makes, he has to like make sure to like write it down so that he has all of that the next day and it makes for some very amusing moments but uh, i remember thinking like oh what a neat idea when i was younger that's very similar to that the way that that memory loss works is very similar to 51st dates it is it's essentially the same as 51st dates which however the rome the fact that one's a romance where it's just like like if if i were to lose my memory and then somebody were to like catch me up on everything of the last 15 years of knowing Jen in, and like, and I'm, then I'm expected to, for the rest of the day, just act just, just know that and uh-huh. feel it. It doesn't, I don't think that rings true. And I know 50 first dates is not meant to be realistic, but I feel like, yeah, it sounds like, a, I do think a, it's sweet though. It sounds like a real hellscape for me actually. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about it. I don't know. That's one of the, uh, that's one of the Adam Sandler movies. I'll, 
stand by. I feel like it's not bad. This it's is something else that's happened. Adam Sandler's made a bunch of bad movies and some people are like Adam Sandler sucks, but no, yeah. he also made a bunch of good movies Yeah, and some okay ones. And I feel like 51st dates is okay. It's okay. Jen and I it's, watched. I remember I laughed a fair amount at it and yeah. thought it was pretty good. It's probably a little better than big daddy, which has its moments. Yeah. It's not as good as you don't mess with the Zohan, which is probably the last one of his that I really liked. Although Let's I didn't see, see Sandy Wexler, which I hear has moments, yeah. but it's also like two hours and 15 minutes long or something, which is crazy. Really? Yeah. It's like really long. Um, uh, I guess Netflix, we need, we don't have to uh, turn over a theater multiple yeah, times yeah. a day. Yeah. You can make a movie as long as you want. But, um, Billy Madison will also always be, I, I, I know people, some people like Happy Gilmore more. I prefer Billy Madison. Yeah, Billy Madison point. will always be just for me. That fucking clown that falls <laughs> and is just lying there. Potentially you think he's dead. You find until out he's not. later on yeah. when he just, we haven't seen that clown. He was in one scene. We haven't seen him for easily 25 minutes. Yeah. And then in the midst of this song, he's just still laying there and gets up and says, Hey kids, it's me. I bet you thought, I bet that, you thought I that I was dead. dead. But when I fell over, I just broke my leg and got a hemorrhage in my head. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's just, and it was uh, that, those ridiculous non sequiturs that I absolutely yeah. adore. Chris Farley making out with a giant penguin. <laughs> Um, I love Norm Macdonald as his yeah. like as Adam Sandler's friend, yeah. like realizing halfway through the movie yeah. that Adam, that he's not around, that Billy's not around anymore. So, hey, Billy, <laughs> Billy's in school. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Just cuts to that. Uh, there's, um, there's some good stuff there. Yeah, uh, let's do a Billy Madison or Billy Madison. Let's do an Adam Sandler profile episode at some point. Oh, that sounds very depressing. I think I've skipped most of the ones that are really bad. I saw Jack and Jill though, which is terrible. Wow. I didn't, I didn't even see Waterboy. That looked so terrible to it's me. Not, and all yeah, my friends saw it at the time. It's not good. It, I mean, people my age really liked it at the time. Um, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. What about that one? I never saw that one. Uh, co-written by Alexander Payne. Really? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, now I have to double check Please to make sure I'm up. right. That sounds, that's very strange to me. Um, anyway, okay, so, uh, but no, 50 First um, Dates is, is pretty good, but it's, uh, but I remember that that might've been the last time that I enjoyed Dan Aykroyd in a movie is in 50 first dates. Oh, bright young things. Was that after or before uh, 50 first right dates? around? I'd yeah. say, I think it's before actually. Okay. So yeah, maybe, um, yes. Alexander Payne is one of the credited screenwriters on, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> um, uh, but no, we haven't hit the, the one that I immediately, Okay, the first movie I thought of when I thought we were going to do, you know, thought about this topic was The Born Identity. Mm-hmm. The second movie I thought of is Overboard. <laughs> That's right. The which... Kurt Russell Goldie Hawn comedy that is also, it's, it's very much like the, do you remember that movie Passengers from yeah. last year? Yeah. Overboard is the passengers of its day in that if you, if you apply a second of critical thinking to it, it's a horror movie. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say real quick? Just that I, I, when I, I made my list and then I looked at other lists and overboard was always near the top. And I was like, I know that David has mentioned it, but because I haven't seen it, I couldn't put it on my list, but everyone says like, this is the amnesia movie. It's, I don't, I don't think it's great. It has a lot of great, it has an awesome cast. You've got Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, of mm-hmm. course, but you've also got, um, Mike Haggerty is, is in oh, it. That's great. You've got Edward, uh, Herman. You've got, um, Roddy McDowell. You've got a, a great cast. Yeah. Um, but it's also so creepy that like she's, 
mean to him because she's a rich lady and he's like a carpenter who comes to fix the closet on her yacht or her husband's yacht Edward Herman's yacht. Um, and she's mean and then she falls overboard and gets amnesia like you do, I guess you fall overboard. And so he tells her, Oh, you're my wife. These are your kids. You live here. We're married. And she moves in with him and becomes his wife and takes care of his house and kids and has sex with him. (laughs) And then, gets her memory back and decides to stay with him. I do feel like it's like, this is Kurt Russell. This is a short con. I got to say <laughs> yeah. the day is going to come when this, uh, when she gets her memory back and then you've got some splaining to do. <laughs> there was a, um, there was an episode of, yeah, I know, I know the two things I talk about all the time are AV club and the best show. Sure. There's an episode of the best show where they had a lawyer as a guest and people would call in with the plots of famous movies oh. and she would say in the real world, here's what would happen. Some of them are hilarious. Like the school of rock was like life in prison yeah. <laughs> or like essentially abducting a classroom yeah. full of kids and like, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, but I, 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 they didn't, I wish I had called in. I never listened live. Um, to bring up overboard because I can't, that would have to be life in prison. Yes, right. I think so. <laughs> for, for that kind of and uh, a, fraud, probably a and, certain type of statutory rape, right? Like I feel like yeah. that would, it would qualify. Yes. There must be, uh, I, would, I would hope so. If not, then there ought to be a law because like, I think it could be argued that she can't give informed consent. Right. In that yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and yet now they're remaking it. Are they? Yeah, they're remaking it. They're switching the gender, which is still not I okay. It, I guess it makes it fine. <laughs> it's not. But um, so Anna Ferris is playing the Kurt Russell role, and John Cho is playing the Goldie Hawn role. I do like both of them. <laughs> they're both great <laughs> actors. Um, and so I'm excited to see uh, if it's any good, but I can't imagine that it's, you know, it's here's just the too thing. dumb a premise. Look, I recognize based on stand up comedy that men and women are different. But the thing is this. Anytime I've read like an article about like a, a female teacher who has sex with like a 14 year old student, which is just like, there's, there are, there are always people that just, it's like, Oh man, he, he probably loved it. It's like, yeah, lucky, lucky kid. Oh, <laughs> the comment that you'll read a billion times is like, where were these teachers when I was in school? <laughs> You know, just over and over again. They were, like, they were probably fucking the other kids. Exactly. You loser. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. You know what? Yeah. You're, Oh, who's, who's the sucker at the poker game? Yeah, I yeah. can't find him. Yeah. It's the kids who have some chill <laughs> that were getting laid by their exactly. adult teachers. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's like, it's that casual attitude that like, it's like, Oh, this, I mean, obviously this 14 year old kid who is in no position to say no at all. And it will absolutely be, uh, it is in, uh, is not in the power position in any way and can never get this important thing back. Right. Yeah. He's fine. He's probably, <laughs> it'll turn out fine, which actually speaks to another Adam Sandler movie. That's my boy in which, uh, that the fact that like his older teacher, I think played by Susan Sarandon, um, huh. was it Susan Sarandon? I don't remember. I anyway, saw it. but she has sex with him and then Andy Sandberg comes out and like, it is only ever played for laughs, even though she does go to jail, but it's seen as like, ah, he liked it. Um, uh, now, you know, the concept we talked about actually with our friend Ellie Davis, the concept of the, like the handshake movie, the movie you like, like if this person doesn't get this movie, then we're not compatible. Okay. Right. 
I, I don't have one of those and I don't think my wife has one of those, but I think I did pass the overboard test cause I'd never seen it before my wife showed it to me. Okay. Not that I like the movie, but that my wife and I both agree on what the absolute funniest part of the movie is, which is I know Goldie Hawn before, but yeah. now I don't recall. Goldie Hawn has this like dream sequence and at the end she's spinning and there are sequins falling from the sky. And so she's spinning and she's happy, but she also keeps getting sequins in her mouth. And so she's trying to smile, but she's also like, like spitting out little sequins. And I think the fact that I laughed as hard as I did at that, I think I passed the handshake test uh, for my wife. I think it would be interesting. I, we could do an episode on like the handshake test because I don't think it's a situation where like, it's like if, uh, like if you don't like this, you know what? We can't be friends. It's more likely, like, if you like this, which no one else I know likes. <laughs> yeah. There's, pot- there's major potential here. Yeah. Um, For example, the Simpsons gag 27. Which Do you know that, that one? No. Where uh, Lisa is... Consi- oh, good God. Lisa is considering... Uh, dressing up like a boy so she can go and like learn math because Springfield Elementary has done some different thing. And so as she's thinking about it, she goes into like this, this uh, mystical thing where there's all these like math symbols like floating around (laughs) her head. And then, and then there's like a greater than or equal to sign. It goes, do it, Lisa, you'll be greater than or equal to boys. And then the number eight says, even though you're only eight, your possible, your potential will be. And then it turns infinite. <laughs> and then a 27 just comes along and the music kind of fades out and just goes 27. <laughs> and it's Hank Azaria doing that ridiculous and almost Ed Wynn type voice. Yeah. <laughs> That's me is maybe the funniest Simpsons gag ever. Oh, this actually just at the last time my wife and I went to see wonder. And there was, so there were like the commercials and there were previews mm-hmm. and like the lights dimmed a little and in between the previews and the movies, there was a pretty recorded announcement that for some reason the speaker or at least that track was like corrupted and it sounded like a subway announcement. Like, thank you for choosing. <laughs> and we were like, we started the movie just in tears because we were both laughing so hard. No, like I said, a pretty full theater. No one else seemed to think this is as funny as, as we did. Just some usher in the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> don't forget to visit our uh, contestants here. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're almost at an hour here, so we can move things along. But, okay. Um, I, I want to uh, see if there's any more comedies here. Well, here's one. Okay. Movie from my youth, uh, or at least my teenage years, that I love that's also a, an amnesia-ish story is Desperately Seeking Susan. Which, which I, don't I, think, I, I have not seen. I really think you should see, even though... It has Will Patton in it um, as one of the... What? Maybe that's my handshake. Yeah. He's one of... I guess he's the villain or maybe he's like the like the uh, underboss in, vill- in, in interesting. video game terms. I can't remember. <laughs> what are the odds? Um, but uh, it, yeah, this uh, premise involves amnesia and that Rosanna Arquette is sort of a bored suburban housewife who uh, there's this couple that 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 um communicate through the 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 what are, what are they called the not want ads what is it called like misconnections classifieds or classifieds whatever yeah. um uh and she's like follow it's a real life thing and she follows them as if it's like a soap opera or whatever hmm. and then she goes into the city one day and she whatever gets conked in the head or whatever it is yeah. uh and becomes convinced that she is this woman that she's like 
only known through this woman, Susan, that she's known only through these newspaper ads. Mm-hmm. And the real Susan is played by Madonna. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's such a great movie. I love it uh, so much. Um, but it, I, I guess it explores the sort of disconnect between who we are and who we want to be in obvious ways that I just <laughs> laid out, uh, you know, and uses amnesia to, as a sort of playground. Um, go ahead. Sorry, you had a big reaction there. You should really see this movie. Yeah, sorry. I was put in mind of another movie that I'm not sure if it counts as animation, okay. but it might. But before I do that, a moment ago I made a joke about not remembering. That was not a, an amnesia joke. That's about the forgettable quality of Will Patton. That's what that joke was meant to be. It, it occurred to me I, only afterwards. That like, yeah. oh, we're talking about not remembering. I've known you long enough to know that's what you meant. Right. But yeah, I understand. It, like, I would have been ashamed if I'd made that an amnesia joke. Um, Nurse Betty. Oh, Yeah. I'm not sure if it counts, but it's very similar to desperately seeking Susan yeah. in that way. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Is that's a good movie, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I remember it being a good movie. It's really weird. It in, is weird. In tone. It's Neil Abute and it is appropriately misanthropic, I'd say. But it's also like, sometimes it's like a fairy tale. Sometimes. Yes. But yes, it also involves dudes getting scalped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then it turns out that Morgan Freeman and Chris Rock are like, father and father son and, son, that's and right. then when chris rock is getting like mowed down by the cops and it's like there's blood coming out of his mouth and he's screaming like daddy it's like what i was watching a comedy a moment ago yeah um but i kind of love it but it has the great when um they're because they're after i know this is i think your favorite line too yeah. when chris rock gets the report of there's someone ma- matching betty's description mm-hmm. and he know you mentioned his height and like brown hair yeah. or whatever and rogan freeman's like what about grace do they say anything about poise uh, yeah <laughs> Although I do enjoy Chris Rock when he talks about how he doesn't care who this woman is. He will like, I will kill that bitch. Like she, like she scratched my car. (laughs) Um, But that's, I have a hard time fully saying that's amnesia. It's more that she hits her head or whatever it is. No, she, she just, it's, it's traumatic. She witnesses her husband being killed and it causes like a psychological break. And she thinks she is somebody she is not. And has no memory of who she is, but it has, it's replaced with something. It's mm-hmm. not just a complete absence. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I gotta see Nurse Betty. I haven't seen that since you and I saw it in the theater in, uh, Springfield, yeah. Missouri. I think um, I watched it once since then, but yeah, it's for a comedy. It's not an easy sit. It's cause it's, yeah. yeah you see someone get scalped. <laughs> yeah. Like right up top. Yeah. I mean, which is not where they watch out. I mean, at the top of the movie. <laughs> um, so, I will say that there's, you know, we were talking about like action and sci-fi and all that, and these will fit into that as well, but there can also be a real tragic quality and a real disturbing quality to like amnesia films. Um, I would say Shutter Island is a big one. It's on my list. Yeah. Where that also is a situation where he thinks he's someone he's not, but it does seem to come first from his mind is blocked out huge swaths of things. Yeah. And so, but as soon, now I haven't watched the whole thing in a while. I told you I watched the first 40 minutes right. recently, but is who he thinks he is based on who he was. Was he a cop a- after being a soldier? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I've seen it twice and it's been a while since I saw it the second time. I apologize, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't think it's that. Okay. Um, it might be, but this, these circumstances are definitely not that. And, you know, his 
his situation with his, uh, you know, the, the tragedy of his wife and like that image, which featured into the trailer of him, like holding her mm-hmm. as she just turns to ash and he's crying. Like it's a really dramatic moment. And I think yeah. a really uh, solid bit of acting from uh, DiCaprio. Um, but I would also say uh, dark city. Oh, that's on my list too. Yeah. Is, is one that like, you know, you don't get much more sci-fi than just collective amnesia caused by aliens who yeah. are just going to re- reconstruct you every single day because um, they want to try and figure out the essence of humanity. And not unlike Blade Runner, they discover that it's, like, it's not purely about your memories. There's something deeper than that. Um, but I remember there, there being a moment that I find particularly effective um, in which uh, I think Rufus Sewell is saying to William Hurt, like, when's the last time you remember doing something during the day? He's like, and I don't mean a distant memory. I mean, like, yesterday. And it's not as though I, as a viewer, I'm like, yeah, that is weird. Because, like, I don't live here. I'm just showing, I'm just mm-hmm. seeing what the film shows me. But it's the, just this neat idea that, like, memory can be so deceptive that well, I know that this thing exists. I know that daytime exists and I have this memory of when it happened. And it's like, let's get a bit more specific and really bear down on this one thing uh, that happened recently and you can't. And I find that fascinating. And it's in Memento is like that as well, where there's, he can remember everything up to a certain point and his wife could have died three years ago or two months ago, like mm-hmm. you don't really know. And that's the real hell of it is that once you don't remember things, you know, it, and it is the tragedy of like, you know, my grandfather passed away of uh, Alzheimer's and it's a very sad thing to witness. And even though his decline was pretty quick, like from diagnosis to death, it was like eight months. Um, it was a very sad thing to see because he yeah. was like a very sharp guy and just to see things fall away, but not everything. So like, he's on firm enough ground with certain things that he would want to like mentally like reach out for this other thing, but there's just nothing to grab onto. And like, it sounds horrifying to me. Um, and I feel like every once in a while movies like this will really capture the, the, the terror that would come with that. All right. Well, I feel bad going from that into anything, anything else on my list. Cause That's nothing fine. else is that serious, That's fine. but this reminded me of a movie that is very bad. Uh, but it's like reverse amnesia. There's a sci-fi horror movie called the forgotten with Julianne Moore. And I think oh, Dominic I West in which yeah, yeah. she's the only one who remembers that she had two children Ooh. that are gone. I like that. I like that as a concept. <laughs> yeah. It's not a, not a very good movie. That's like flight in a, a certain way. <clears throat> oh, I never saw flight, but that's more of like a general kind of gaslighting type of situation. Right. It's not a bad movie flight. Um, um uh, speaking, you know, going back to our, um, uh, movie journal. Uh, okay. Apparently, Larry Cohen did uncredited rewrites on Flight. A lot of people did re- rewrites on Flight. Like <laughs> Billy Ray was on there. Like really? the good writers, Carrie Fisher, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Carrie Fisher did so many uncredited <laughs> rewrites that we'll never know about. I know it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, okay, so okay, I'm trying to see what I've... we should wrap up. It's been, it's been over an hour. I'm trying to think okay. if there are any major ones that I left off here that I had wanted to talk about. You mentioned Eternal Sunshine. Thank God. I briefly mentioned the hangover it's mostly just used as a uh i think a pretty clever sort of plot yeah. device um uh, in the hangover um there's robocop 
Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Right. I, why did that not occur to me? I'm looking at total recall right here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's oh, how stupid of me. Um, yeah. And then there's a, uh, I guess the Manchurian candidate in a way, because that's a brainwashing movie. So I'm not sure if that counts, but memories I mean, are brainwashed it, away from him. It's no different. I think than dark city, like just okay. people like fucking yeah. with his mind so that he doesn't remember entire, very important moments of his life. And then the big one that I was saving for near the end is Mulholland drive, uh, which I have not seen in a long time. And I was just like, is that an amnesia? I mean, a lot, enough sites said that it was an amnesia movie. And I was like, is it amnesia or does, the, does everything just change halfway through? I don't remember. Both. <laughs> Both. Okay. Cause yeah. the initial, that's how Naomi Watts and, um, what's her name? Uh, something Herring, Laura Herring, the other lead in the movie. Yeah, I, I don't can't recall. remember. Uh, I think Rita is the character's name. Maybe? I think that sounds right. Um, cause you know, it starts, there's a car crash. Yeah like a limo crashes or whatever. And then Brent Briscoe says like, I I think somebody's missing. (laughs) Um, I don't remember that. Uh, but then you get to Naomi Watts story and then she meets the woman and it turns out she was the woman in the car crash, but she does because of the crash or whatever, she doesn't remember who she is. And so she like moves in with Naomi Watts and they, um, try to find out who she is and then they become lovers and then everything changes halfway through. (laughs) And don't drink all the Coke. I remember that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, speaking, I mean, you know, you want to talk about a movie that like mimics a dream state, you know, uh, that so much of it seems so straightforward and then just everything changes completely, which is something that happens regularly in my dreams. And it's, and it doesn't frustrate me in the moment. It's only afterwards. I'm like, that's, that makes no sense at all. <laughs> Come on. Um, um, yeah. Well, you know what? This is getting away from memory, but um, two TV shows, we talked to this on, on the podcast before, but TV shows that did dream sequences really well are Buffy the Vampire Slayer and The Sopranos. Sopranos. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Bringing John Hurd back seasons later as not him. Yeah. Yeah. Is like a stroke of genius. And Annette Benning as herself, herself, sort of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you Annette Benning? And so. that's like, <laughs> I've had instances where like, I've met, like, I was in a play at Ponderosa High School in Denver, and then I go into the green room, and Jack Nicholson's just sitting there, uh-huh. and I'm, and it's like, it's like five minutes between my next scene, I sit there, and I was like, so how do you think the play is going? And he's like, it's really good. I said, like, uh, it's kind of embarrassing to say this, but I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> and so, and I woke up, I was like, no, oh, I didn't meet Jack Nicholson. What a bummer. Uh, I was just thinking about The Sopranos today, because, um... Do you know the takeout.com? No. Okay. You know, avclub.com. Yes. I've heard of it <laughs> for a while. They had a food subsection called supper club. Okay. They spun that off into its own website. It's called the takeout.com. Anyway, the, there was an article about how, um, how often dress codes in restaurants are enforced along sort of racial lines that like, hmm. uh, that young, that if a, if a, uh, uh, if a, if a restaurant has a no sneakers policy, it's more likely to be enforced on a young black man than a middle-aged white man. Um, anyway, they're talking about dress codes. It was, is it, a bit, is it also an age thing? I could um, be, I could see it. Being oh, it could be. Well. Yeah. Um, but, um, uh, it, so it was a very interesting article, but it also got me thinking of one of my favorite scenes in Sopranos history okay. when he and Artie are at a nice restaurant and there's a guy, 
um, who is played by an actor who looks like Peter Berg, but I don't think it's Peter Berg, okay. who's wearing a baseball cap right. indoors. <laughs> and uh, Tony walks over and tells him, take your hat off. Uh, they don't sell hot dogs here. They took the bleachers out two years ago. <laughs> and the guy says, it's my hat. I'll wear it if I want. And Tony just stares at him and then he takes the hat off and he goes back and the waiter like pours an extra glass of wine and is like, thank you. <laughs> um, so before we're done, like obviously I do feel like Mulholland drive is the one that we should have ended on. Sorry about that. Yeah. I don't um, have anything else to say, but I do think that, uh, uh, 12 monkeys has an amnesia situation. I right? thought about that. Does, I guess it does. It yeah. does. Like there are flashes. It's not, I don't think it's full amnesia. It's like he comes armed with certain things in his mind, but not everything. But, but I, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. So I don't remember exactly because I, yeah, I, I, I thought about putting that on my list and I feel like the idea to me, the idea is more that you tend to forget stuff that happened when you were a kid. Sure. And that's like, to me, the main crux of the thing is a memory that he's, it's not amnesia so much as it's a memory that he just has forgotten until yeah, he, I guess that's until true. he faces it again as an adult. I like, guess that's true. Yeah. He probably remembers it about as well as I remember anything from that age, even <laughs> from something, four, yeah. you know, even something big like that. Um, and then a film that is not that good, but is absolutely this is uh, regarding Henry. Did you ever see that? I've never seen it. He gets shot at the beginning. Is that right? Yeah. By John Leguizamo. Um, no, oh. he, uh, playing himself. It's very strange, but, uh, obviously that's not true. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's like this, you know, asshole lawyer. It's, it's a little bit too black and white, but like, He's this asshole lawyer who's like been, you know, cheating on his wife, played by Annette Benning. And um, he goes to like buy a pack of cigarettes and the, walks into a store that is being robbed and then is shot in the head and in the shoulder. And he's saved, but he like this is not amnesia. Like it's his memories are not going to come back. OK, because he has actual damage in his brain now. Um, but he has to. So in some cases, like he's he's being like reintroduced to these things that he liked before, but he's also kind of becoming a new person. Like he's learning how to talk again and all that. Um, but one of the things that I thought was interesting is there's a moment when like his wife at, at the breakfast table is like, would you like some eggs? And he goes, I, I don't think so. And she's like, Oh, but you love eggs. And he's like, Oh, all right. Then give me a lot of eggs. <laughs> but then it turns out, but the later like, I, I don't like eggs at all. Like, and it's just this, it's him learning to be a new person. And of course the idea is being a better person. Um, but it does sure. bring this other element in, which is like his wife is suddenly married to a different person. Now she was married to an asshole, uh-huh. which is not great, but it's all like that has always stayed with me that like you hear these stories about like some, <laughs> in some construction accident, some guy gets like a rod shoved through his brain and it changes his personality completely. And I thought like, good God, what if that happened to me or to Jen? And suddenly I am married to someone that I never agreed to marry. Like, ugh, yeah, that's rough, rough stuff. Uh, that reminds me, this is not a movie. This is, I, I generally avoid listening to true crime podcasts because true crime kind of creeps me out. Yeah. But I did listen to one that was really interesting. Uh, it was, this wasn't like a serial type. It was just one episode of a podcast. That was a story. There was a couple. They were both very serious alcoholics and like obviously codependent enablers for each other. Mm. And then in one night while they were both blackout drunk, she killed him. She shot him in the head. Oh my. And the podcast was about what happened, like the physiology, what happens when you get blackout drunk because yeah. people keep thinking like, well, you were drunk it's fuzzy, but like they assume 
you're still you you did this thing you're not brain damaged you must have the memory in you somewhere it just needs to be accessed but that's not how it works when you're when you get to that level of drunkenness it's uh, the 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 um the comparison that the podcast host made was um like shutting off your computer without saving what you wrote Hmm. you wrote it as yourself yeah you know you did it yeah you know you were yourself when you did it but the memory is completely gone and it is not retrievable yeah and that's so crazy to me that this woman like she knows that she shot her husband in the head but she will never ever be able to access the memory of when or why she did that and it's not a situation where she'd been wanting to for a while and (laughs) then got so drunk that she did and just didn't remember the act it's literally like the even the motivation was gone yeah everything was yeah it was a really interesting it sounds everything is is depressing or terrifying to me at this point in my life but uh welcome to middle age I think if we're being realistic, we're probably middle-aged. I think people save middle-aged like their 50s, but come on, we're middle-aged. I think, well, you know, not to get too morbid, but my dad died at 50, so I'm like, I, you know, my brother and I both, even though like he's, he's actually very healthy and I try to be and like I get my cholesterol checked and all that just to make sure I don't die of a heart attack and all that, yeah. um, we both do just kind of have this feeling. It's like, if we get to 51, from then on, it's like, it could happen at any moment. Um, I know that's, that's not super logical because you're right. I mean, not to like, I'm not trying to one up because my, my dad was 45. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, 10 years older than I am now. Yeah. You only got 10 good years. <laughs> All right, I, got, better, I got 15 Better drink up. So, you know, who am I going to host the show with for fi- that five years? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that really, that really turned dark. Sorry. Yeah. That's everybody. a good place to end it. Um, <laughs> You can find us at battleshipretention.com. That's where you can find premium content. That's right. Always helps us. We got Sundance coming up. We're going to need uh, some funds for that, for, for air travel and getting around and, and, and stuff. Um, uh, I hope to bring you guys some great Sundance content. Uh, and we don't ask for donations. We're asking you to purchase, you know, again, content. Mm-hmm. We recorded like entertaining stuff yeah right i think so so the, yeah it's uh the premium you can find all the premium stuff on the website uh you can also uh find reviews and all of the sorts of stuff like i talked about earlier on the show at battleship you can uh email us at david at battleship or tyler at battleship you can follow me david on twitter at davy pretension um, I always say me, David, because I realize there are a number of podcasts that I listen to and have listened to for a long time where I'm not entirely sure which, which host is with. It's like, especially if it's two like guys like us, yeah, it, you know, people have said that to me, uh, like listeners said, like, I can't always keep you straight. And of course to me, it's like, well, I mean, one of us is, you know, mumbly Joe and the other is super dynamic. Right. Uh, so <laughs> it's super clear to me, but yeah. you know, whatever unlike my speech it's super clear to you <laughs> yeah. uh so you can yeah uh, i'm at davy pretension tyler's at tyler pretension um tyler your other podcast is called more than one lesson yes and it is on hold on right hold. now but there's still and a website there's still a website and there's still stuff being posted there is a there's the fear of god which is a podcast under our umbrella there's a new one called two geek soup in which uh this guy john um and that's the one that i guested on i mentioned during the movie journal he is He's not merely talking about like film from a Christian perspective. He's talking about just like all things pop culture. 
And he does a thing that I really love where like at the end of every episode, he's like, all right, let's, let's get some good news. So like he finds, he finds like a news story that's very inspiring. It's like, okay, we're ending on that. Good things can happen in this world. Moving on. That's very (laughs) nice. I like that a lot. And so he's doing a thing that uh, others are doing where he's covering every Marvel film and he will be finishing right in time for infinity war in May in May. Okay. So Black Panther's before that. Black Panther's yeah, like that February? February, yeah. And I think that'll be the last one they cover. Uh, so, yeah. So you can find that at uh, morethanonelesson.com. All right. Uh, anything else? No. All right. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy, let's make 2018 great. Let's uh, be politically active. Um, and, and compassionate. Let's try that. Let's all treat each other like people. That's a that's a good that's a good point of view. It sounds yes. good. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So let's do that in 2018. Uh, New Year's resolution: be compassionate, <laughs> be human beings for once in your fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 